Welcome, everybody, to the well at STSA. And I'm just to start off by saying how happy I am to see so many people joining us today because we are beginning a great adventure today. So you came at the perfect Sunday because what we are doing, as you saw up there in the little video, is we are embarking on the great hunt. We are going to try to answer over the next three weeks the one question that, in my opinion, like wherever I go and I meet people and people say, oh, Father Anthony, I always wanted to ask you this one question. The number one question people want to ask is some derivative of what's God's will for my life. Father Anthony, I'm so glad I got to meet you because I get this situation where I get this girl and then I got this girl. And my mom wants this girl, but my friends are telling me this girl. What's God's will for my life? Tell me the one that's going to lead to perfect happiness forever and ever and ever and ever. Or, you know, I got this major or this major. I'm not really sure what God wants me to do. So help me understand what is God's will for my life. And we treat God's will kind of like the Indiana Jones movie, okay, which is as if it's some hidden treasure that's buried somewhere and we spend the rest of our lives trying to find little clues and little hints and then maybe like the lucky ones will be able to, to find this treasure and be able to live happily ever after. Well, we're going to try to understand that. What is God's will and how do we find God's will? And can we even know God's will? Like, let's be honest. Like, we're going to take off all the spiritual answers. Like, I'm going to do my best during these next three weeks not to just give you pre-speak, okay, or Bible speak and just give you the answer that, that's supposed to be the right answer. So let's be honest. Between me and you, does anyone really know God's will? Or is it just something that we say, that we say to people to keep ourselves in business? <laughs> yeah, 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 you got to come to church to uh, find God's will. Yeah, yeah, come back to church. Is it something really that people know God's will? Or is everyone just really guessing in the end? And some people just happen to be happy in life, and some people don't. And some people happen to be successful, and some people don't. Like, I'm a logical person. Like, hey, I'm a logical person. My wife is not here in this room right now, so I can say what I'm about to say safely without fear of repercussion. Okay? Because I can just, oh, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission when it comes to these things. I'm a logical person. Is there, like, one person out there, like God's will that I marry that one person? Now, of course, for me, the answer is yes, okay? But for everyone else, all right? Is there just like one person? Because I'm a logical person. How many people in this world? Roughly 7 billion. So you're telling me that the only way I'm going to be happy is I marry that one right person. And what are my odds of finding that right, one right person? One in, well, three and a half billion, okay? We'll cut it in half, okay? One in seven billion would be ridiculous, okay? One in three and a half billion. And let's think about it logically. Let's say I married the wrong person. So I wasn't supposed to marry Marianne. I was supposed to marry someone else. So that means Marianne was supposed to marry someone else. And now she married the wrong person. And that means that person married the wrong person. And basically, if anyone messes up marriage, that's it. The rest of us are all doomed to marrying the wrong person. Is that how God's will is? Like, logically, is there such a thing as God's will? And can we really know what that is for our lives? Well, I believe this. I believe that this is not a game of hide and seek. I don't believe, like what I wrote there on your handout, I believe to be true, which is that this is not a game and this is not something where God is trying to hide something from us. As a father, I will say on behalf of God that God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. Parents, would you agree with me on that one? That as a father, I have two children. I have plans for their lives. I don't want to say plans. I have dreams for their lives. And I want them to know it more than they want to know it. Like, it's my greatest desire that my child would come to me and say, Dad, what do you want me to do? You tell me what major you want me to do. You give me your advice about this. Like, that's my greatest desire. 
If my child comes to me and says, Dad, I want to know what you want, I'm not going to say, okay, well, try to guess. You get three guesses. And only if you get it right will I give it to you. And if not, I'm going to doom you and the other 3.5 billion people in the world as well. God never intended his will to be a mystery. Some hidden grail that we spend the rest of our lives finding. So what we're going to do over these next three weeks is we're going to try to dig deeper into this. And I, I can't promise you that after three weeks that you're going to know everything that God wants you to do for your life. If I was promising you that, then God's will would be a pretty pathetic thing. If I could give it to you in three weeks, then it'd be something not even worth finding. But God's will is something big. God's will is something grand for each one of us. Like I say, the word, I don't like God's will, I like, I like God's dream. Because I don't have a will for my children. I have a dream for my child. I don't have a plan for them. I have, I have big dreams that I want them to accomplish. And what we're going to talk about is the process to find it. So I'm not going to give you the answer of what's God's will for your life. But I hope that together we can discuss the process to discover it. Because what happens if you don't discover the process? What happens if you don't know how to find God's will? Does that mean you don't look for God's will? What I found is that means that you make it up and you invent it and you basically determine God's will by whatever spiritual game you were taught or uh, you came up with in your own mind. For example, if this is your will, you know this game? Like here I am and I'm driving to someplace I shouldn't be going. But I know I shouldn't, and I know God probably doesn't want me to. Okay, but God, I'll make it easy. If the light is green, it's your will. That's green. Okay, it's God's will. If God doesn't want me to do this, okay, if God doesn't want me to go to this place, he'll let my phone ring now. Didn't ring. God's will. There was an episode of The Simpsons one time where Homer was basically playing that game, and he said, I can't remember what it was about. And he was saying that, I think he was saying, I'm going to skip church is what it was. And he was saying, I'm going to skip church today and I'm going to pray. So he said, Lord, I believe you want me to skip church. And if that is your will, please give me no sign right now. Thank you. <laughs> this is what we do. But we just, we come up with our own system and then we just baptize it in spirituality. Like some people, if you're very spiritual, you know the whole, like something uh, a lot of people that we grew up with in church do the three pieces of paper. You know the three pieces of paper? Like I want this job or this job. And then um, there's a blank piece of paper, and I put the three of them in a hat, and I pray over them, whatever pick out is the will of God. That's not the way I want my children determining their future. That's not how I'm my children determining who they should marry in life. And I don't think that's the way God is either. The worst way? What's the worst way? And I know a person who is named by this way. Is the flip open will of God. You know that way? You open the Bible and say, I know a person who was actually named this way, okay? And his name is Ishmael, which isn't even really a Christian name, but his name is Ishmael because that's the page that it was opened up to, is that will of God is. There's a joke about a guy who wanted to know God's will for his life. So he did this, and he was very spiritual, and he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and he opened the Bible, and he prayed and said, God's will for me is, and it said, Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> so he said what we all say, which is, Two out of three. <laughs> prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, opened the Bible and put his finger down and it said, go and do likewise. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Pray, 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 open and the Bible said, what you do, do quickly. <laughs> Not the best way to discover the will of God. We need a process whereby over the course of the next however many years God gives you on this beautiful earth, 
20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever, however many years, that God's will is no longer a mystery box that we have to guess and we have to, 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 to make up answers, but it's something where we have a process that we can go through to discover God's will for our lives. That's the point of this series. Here's the framework by which we're going to operate. Actually, the phrase will of God is a little ambiguous. What is the will of God? Well, I believe, like, this is not, nothing scientific or, 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 or very deep that I'm about to say, but just kind of how I view it, okay, and I think it'll help you if you understand how I view it as well. There's kind of three components to the will of God. All right, we're going to look at it like a little field goal right here because we're approaching Super Bowl Sunday. The first component is the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. We have to know the differences between the three. The sovereign will of God means like God's will in the world. God's plan. The sovereign will of God has nothing to do with whether I believe or don't believe. Or whether I pray or don't pray. Or whether I sin or don't sin. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It's God's plan working in the universe. A thousand of verses in the Bible, but I'll just give you just a couple right here. Job 42.2 talks about, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. That's the sovereign will of God. If God wants it to, uh, to, to thunder and lightning Sodom and Gomorrah, thunder, like if God wants something, nothing can stop him. If God wants a virgin to have a baby, virgin has a baby. If God wants it, nothing can stop him. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? The sovereign will of God is those things that we have no effect over. And for those who were here in the last series that we just finished up, the waiting room series, that was mainly dealing with the sovereign will of God. Because sometimes the sovereign will of God is good, which is, you know, someone was in a car accident and God saved them. Sovereign will of God. All right, or someone had cancer and God healed them. Sovereign will of God. No, nothing, nothing controlled that. Sovereign will of God. God wanted this person alive. No one can stop it. But sometimes the sovereign will of God is not so good. Sometimes the sovereign will of God is born to a family with no, with no dad. What did that child do? Remember when we talked about in the waiting room for St. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Sovereign will of God. It was God's plan to use St. Paul with his weakness, not his strength. Nothing St. Paul could have done could have changed that. Sovereign will of God. With the sovereign will of God, there's nothing. that's not the will of God that we're talking about specifically right now. All right? The part of the sovereign will of God is usually difficult to see today, but it becomes clearer with time. Okay? So we can also call this the hidden will of God. The second component is the moral will of God. The moral will of God is the opposite of the sovereign because it's 100% evident right now. And there's no guessing involved with this whatsoever. This is how God wants me to live morally or ethically. What's the will of God? The will of God is do not murder. What's the will of God? The will of God is do not commit adultery. The will of God is do not lie. The will of God is honor your father and mother. The will of God is that you forgive 70 times 7. The will of God is that you love not only your, your neighbor, but you love your enemy as, as well. This is the will of God. So sometimes when people come talk about what's the will of God, what's the will of God, what's the will of God, what I always say is 90% of the will of God, 90% of the will of God is right there between the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God. Between what God is doing in the world and what God has commanded you in the scripture. And if you are not understanding those two components, you will never get to the third component. Okay, moral will of God, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God. Here it is. 
This is the will of God. Which job? Which major? No, no, no. The will of God is much bigger than that. It's your sanctification. And specifically, abstain from sexual immorality. Someone who wants to know who to marry, will of God, but is not abiding by the will of God, sanctification, abstain from sexual immorality, that person will never know who to marry. Because the, the third component of the will of God, you have the moral, you have the sovereign, is the personal will. But you cannot know the personal aside from the sovereign and the moral. And if you are walking outside of the moral will of God, you will never, never understand the personal will of God. Never. I'll give you another analogy that I thought of this morning as I was driving here, in case you're not a football guy. How about, let's go soccer. The sovereign will of God is the stadium, is the field in general. Because nothing in this universe happens outside of that. So anything that is involved in life is part of the sovereign will of God, including bad things, including evil things. If God did not permit it, it would not take place. Like if God did not want it to happen, think of the worst thing, Judas who betrayed Christ and people who crucified him. If God did not want his son to be crucified, no one could have done it. If it was not part of God's sovereign will, if God did not say this is part of the plan. However, on that field, there's two halves. There's the bad side, like the defense side and the offense side. Our goal is to play on the offensive side in the moral will of God. And that's what you see, that in, in Judas, God allowed Judas to happen. But clearly, Judas was betraying the moral will of God, even though he was inside the sovereign will of God. Does that make sense? So I can't say, look, I'm Judas. I'm doing a good thing. I'm betraying Christ just like the prophecy said. No, that doesn't work that way. Because you are betraying the moral will of God. And just because God is permitting it doesn't mean it's part of his will for you. But then even beyond there, you got the field, you have the offensive side, but our goal is that little box at the end, the goal. That's the personal will of God. You cannot know the personal will of God unless you understand his sovereign will, what he is doing in the world, big picture, and then you abide by his teachings given to us in scripture. Those are the only ways that you will find the personal will of God, the specifics the who to marry, the what job to take, the what do I do in this situation, the give me wisdom of how, all those things. Never find them outside the other two. That's why I say this. The key to the moral will of God is obedience. The key to the sovereign will of God is acceptance. Until you accept his sovereign will and until you abide by his moral will, and when I say obey it or abide by it, I'm not saying be perfect, none of us are perfect, but striving, okay, to abide by his moral will, you're never going to know his personal will. We don't like that. Why do we not like that? Why don't we like that? Because what do we like? We like shortcuts. We like abracadabra, hocus pocus, one, two, three, will of God is. That's what we like. We don't like the work aspect. But what this is saying is you want to make that goal, you want to go between that upright, you have to put some work in. You have to get in the game with God and see what God is doing in this world and where you fit in this world. And you have to make sure that you are in the right arena and you understand. And then once you get there, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to, who to marry? Who to marry is different. Right now, do you honor your father and mother? Because you're not honoring your father and mother, I'm not going to tell you my personal will. And do you not lie, not cheat, not steal? And then do you care about your neighbor? And if you are not doing these things, man, it is going to be really difficult to hit a goal from midfield. It is going to be, I am sure in some weird way that can happen every now and then. But if you want to get close to that goal, 
you have to abide by God's will in those two components. For example, okay, I'll give you an example of why, of, of how, th how this kind of works right here. When you understand the sovereign will of God, what God is doing, when you abide by his moral will, he makes his personal will so, so, so clear. The year was 2001, and I'll tell you a story about myself, about not that I'm anything smart, but there was a time when God, like, I never, sometimes you're sure about something, and sometimes you are more sure about something. Add all the sures, and there was one time in my life where I had never been more sure about anything in my life, and that was when I accepted to become ordained as a priest. The year was 2001. And the reason why, not saying anything about me, but saying that there came a point in time in my life, all right, me and Marianne got married in May, all right, and we were happy, and we were, you know, newlyweds and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And then get to, yeah, stuff, yeah. Don't read more into that than it is, okay? We get to um, Labor Day weekend. All right, it was Labor Day weekend, so it was the first weekend of September or end of August or whatever that was. That particular Thursday, oh, and let me, let me just back up. During that time when we were first newlyweds, like we're very, very spiritual. And I'm not saying, like I always say, I was better then than I am today. Like we prayed all the time and like we were very, very much in tune with God and his moral will and abiding by his plan as much as we could and striving. And, I, and I'm not taking credit for that myself. It was just like, that's just how it was. And during that time, we're really praying and really seeking God's will. And we're praying about his sovereign will for our life and saying, God, what is it you want us to do? And, and, and I told this story before how we were both working as like consultants in IT. And we both said, God, whatever it is that you want us to do. And God, if you want us to, to, to go to Africa, we'll go to Africa. And God, if you want us to be trash men, we'll go to trash men. And if you want us to be like the worst possible thing, if God wants us to be IT consultants for the rest of our lives, we'll, we'll, we'll even do that. Like whatever it is you want, God, we'll do it. And we're praying about this and we're seeking God and all this kinds of stuff. Labor Day weekend rolls around. So Thursday before, Marianne gets laid off from work. Completely out of the blue, surprise, came out of nowhere. I... Very nice, supportive husband, okay, okay, hopefully still, but especially at the beginning, you know what I mean? Said, you know what, like, oh, that's too bad, sweetie, but I still love you, and, I and all this kinds of stuff. And I said, you know what, I took the day off of work on Thursday, I left work, to called out sick or took the day off on Friday, took my wife, and we went away for the weekend, went to a bed and breakfast, and during, that, during those two days, it was Friday, Saturday, we spent that whole time saying, God, we don't care about nothing when it comes to her career. When it comes to her career, God, we don't care about money and willing to sacrifice money. We're praying and we're praying, whatever it is that you want, God, please make your will very clear because we're seeking you and all this kinds of stuff. And we ended up deciding that we didn't care. She was thinking at the time like to go into teaching, which would be like a financial step back, but whatever, God, whatever it is that you want. And we're praying about it. And then we're super spiritual Friday, Saturday and wake up early on Sunday. We come to church on Sunday morning. Okay, and we pray together and it's just a beautiful day. Go to church, Father Beshoy priest at the church tells me uh, after church, says, hey, I want you and Marianne to come over today. So I said, okay. So, you know, whatever, we finish church, I go home, and I say, Marianne, oh, by the way, uh, Father Bashoy said uh, to come over tonight. And she said, why? I was like, I don't know. He said to come over. She said, Did, what does he want? I was like, I don't know. He didn't tell me what he wants. He just said, come over. She said, why wouldn't you ask? I was like, I don't know. He said, I said, okay? This is how it works. I don't think. I just obey. He said, come over. I come over. And then she said, what is it that you think that he wants? Boom, right there, on the spot. We didn't discuss it at the time, but later on, on the spot, both of us knew in our hearts 100% God had put inside both of us, he's going to ask you to be ordained as a priest, and you're going to say yes. 
and never has the will of God been clear for me. We didn't say it, okay? And the joke is that we drove over to his house together in utter silence, okay? No one opened their mouth because we both kind of knew it, but you didn't want to say it. So it's kind of like, what do you think? Oh, nothing. What do you think? Oh, nothing. But we both knew. And people ask me, how was it so clear? Like, how come, like, you didn't even think about it? Like, you didn't even, like, you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to pray about it. Like, you didn't even pray about it. Easy. You know why? Because when you are obeying the moral will of God, and you understand the sovereign will of God, that God wants to do something big with you, and God, you want to you be part of something bigger, then that specific, man, that comes easy. Maybe the problem isn't that God's will is so secretive. Maybe the problem is that we're not doing our part to discover it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17 says that God's will is very clear. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Very, very clear. I do not want you to be in darkness regarding my will. I want you to understand my will. And I want you to walk every step in confidence because you know like I know that when I know God's will for my life is this, man, I could run through a brick wall. If God told me run through that brick wall and that's what God wanted, I put my head down and go through it. If I was unsure of myself and you put a piece of paper in front of me, I'd be scared from the paper. When we know what God wants, this is how God wants us to live in confidence of knowing that this is why I'm doing this, and this is what God is calling me to do, and I walk straight through there, put my head down, and I go through whatever it is. Until we reach that point, we got some work to be doing to understand what the will of the Lord is. <clears throat> can I tell you the will of the Lord for you? No. But I can help you, hopefully, go through the process so that you can discover it for yourself over the course of the remainder of your life. I always tell people, and I think I wrote these two questions down in your handout, is that if you're struggling with the will of God, two questions to ask yourselves. Number one, what is God trying to tell me? And number two, what did he ask me to do that I haven't done yet? And actually, I would start, I would flip that order. Anytime someone comes to me and says, what am I supposed to do in this situation? I can't hear God's voice. First thing is, what has he already told you to do that you haven't done? Because if he already told you to do something that you haven't done, it's unlikely he's going to ask you to do something else. Like if I told you to mow the lawn and I told you to wash the dishes and you come to me and say, um, do you need anything else from, no, I told you what I want you to do. You're not going to get new stuff until you follow up on the old stuff. So what did God ask me to do that I didn't do? What did I read in the scripture? What did I hear in a sermon that was just kind of in one ear and not the other and I chose to ignore on purpose? And then secondly, step back. What is God trying to do in this world? A lady came to me one time and her dream job, and her dream job, and her dream job, and she wants this job, and she applied a thousand times to this job, and a thousand times she didn't get this job. And I want to tell this lady, you're never going to get this job. But I don't want to be rude, okay? You're never going to get this job. You are not qualified. They do not want you. You'll never get this job. Probably, literally, I'm not even joking, it's probably three years later in this process. She gets the job. She gets the job. A week later, she finds out she's pregnant. <laughs> this is, you laugh, I laugh. She couldn't see it. I want to say, this is the only way God would get you to stop applying is to give it to you and then take it away from you. <clears throat> Ask yourself, what is God trying to tell me? What is it that he asked me that I haven't done yet? Okay, that's the, 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 the arena. The sovereign will, the moral will. Now what I want to spend the rest of today and really the rest of the next two weeks 
is focusing on that personal will. But everything that I said is predicated on what I just said. So everything I'm about to say, and I'm going to say, pray this, and everything that I'm about to say over the next two weeks and the rest of today is predicated on what I just said. So if you ignore what I just said, and you say, yeah, forget that, do not commit adultery, but I'm going to do whatever I want, but I'm going to find the will of God. You're not going to find the will of God. Everything is predicated on what God is doing in the world and you abiding by his principles and his teachings. And after that, everything applies there. But do not remove this part. But now let's focus on this part. You know why? Because that's the best part. That's the best part. The best part is the goal, the sweet spot. Every one of us has in our life a sweet spot that God dreams for us. See, God's general will for us, like I'm saying, his sovereign will, his moral will, is general. And in general, I, okay, all of the dads in this room, we share, like, our will for our children. 90% of it is about the same. That they'd be healthy, that they'd do well in school, that, you know, they don't go to jail. Like, we have a general will for our children. But the sweet spot is what me, I know my boy, and what I'm planning for my boy, what I'm dreaming for my boy, that's different than everyone else is dreaming for their boy. Super Bowl MVP, anyone else's? Okay. That's what I'm dreaming for my boy. Like, as a father, like, I have big dreams for my boy. And that's what I want to focus on right now. 90% of God's will for all of us is the same. It's love our neighbor. Okay, it's, it's be kind to one another. It's, not, it's the same. But it's that 10%, I won't even say 5, I won't say 95 and 5. That's the sweet part of life. That if you miss that part, you miss out on what it really means to be a child of God. Because even God himself said that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has come upon the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That sweet spot. So with that said, we're going to talk about now how to discover that sweet spot. And I'm actually not going to tell you today because we're still in the preparation phase. But what I'm going to tell you is what not to do. Because I'm going to talk about three mistakes that we commonly make when it comes to discovering God's will for our life, that personal will of God, three things that we want to avoid. And we'll go through them, and they should be pretty pretty easy to, to comprehend. Number one is we don't ask. Number one mistake is we do not ask. The Bible says it clearly in James chapter 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. Logic. Dad, how come you didn't give me a cookie? Because you didn't ask for a cookie. Dad, how come you never gave me advice about what major to do? Because you never asked for advice about what major to do. You do not have because you do not ask. Ask yourself and be honest. Be honest. <coughs> how much time do you spend asking God for his will versus how much time do you spend discussing it with and then fill in the blank? You discuss it with your friends. Forever you discuss it with your friends about what decision you should make and you don't spend two minutes discussing it with God. You go through and you try to read books and you try to, the, the, the fortune cookies and the horoscopes and, and the question to Dr. Phil and all this kind of, you spend hours, hours discussing it with everyone in the world who has no clue. These AV guys, they work hard right here. Okay. What was I saying? Horoscope. Yeah. And we don't even ask God. Like, I'll tell you for me, for me, it's none of those things. But I'll tell you for me, what, where I fall short in asking God 
is I ask here, ask myself. I'm a logical person, I'm an analytical person. I like past behavior predicts future results. That's how I am, that's how I have always been. So what I like to do when it comes to know God's will, thank you, Peter. What I like when it comes to know God's will is I don't need to ask because I went through this scenario back in 2006. Ah, that's right, in 2006, and I kept good notes because I keep very good notes about when this scenario happened, this is what you do, this is the result. And I rely on my experience. You know the thing about God? Is even God himself, even God himself, when you ask God, God never works the same way twice. And that is one thing that is clear when you look in the scriptures that one time a sick person came to jesus and jesus touched them and he healed them next time a sick person came to jesus jesus just spoke to them but he touched i need to touch one time a blind person came to jesus and jesus did mud and spit smacked him right in the eyes with it the issue isn't the mud or the touch or the word he works different ways. Like if you say mud, it's all about mud. Anyone needs any answer? Mud, 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 mud. I saw one time Jesus did a miracle with mud. Everyone, mud on the forehead, but I didn't say right in the eyes. And they say, sick, come here, boy, I'm gonna get you right in the eyes with the mud. I'm doing you a favor, you thank me later. It's not the mud. Jesus doesn't have formulas or systems. He's not plug and play where you insert problem here, he goes to a little computer and gives you the solution. That's what we want. You wanna know the will of God? Where every one of these mistakes, we're going to come up with an action item because I believe in action items. It's very simple. You want to know the will of God? Ask. Just ask. And what I am challenging you to do today, I'm going to give you three action items to do with each one of these three mistakes that we make. Just ask. Just ask. Just say, just commit. You're praying, you, you, you're thinking about something, debating something. Just commit to every day for the rest of this week just for one minute. Like you stress about it for an hour. Stress about it for 59 minutes and just for one minute pray. This still, you still have your 59 minutes to stress. But just one minute and say, God, give me an answer. God, guide me. God, show me what you want me to do. Like that didn't even take 10 seconds. I just did it. There's three asks in 10 seconds. Just commit to asking God. What we're going to do here, what you're going to see, the process I'm talking about, again, I'm not saying I'm going to do A, B, C, and I'm going to get the will of God. What I'm saying is that these things, I'm going to do them, I'm going to put them together, and they're going to inch me closer and closer and closer and closer until eventually there I hit it. You will never know the will of God unless you ask because God is not a machine. God is a father. And as a father, if my child wants to know what to do, he asks, floodgates are open. He doesn't ask, he's on his own. And God is no different. Number one, we will ask. Number two, the second mistake we make, we don't ask. Secondly, we don't listen. We hear what we want to hear. We hear what we want to hear. We choose what to hear based on what we want to do. We know what we're going to do in the end, and we know what decision we're going to make, but we just need to find a way to spiritualize it. So you know what? Like, I'll tell you a secret, and don't tell anyone this secret. This is secret, just between us, just and the people who are listening online, okay? <laughs> I can find a Bible verse to do anything I want. Did you know that? 
That's sneaky. I know. That's abuse of power. I know, but I can do it. <laughs> you tell me what you want to do, I can find you a Bible verse to do it. And you know how I know? Because you guys have taught me this game. <laughs> because you come to me and say, you know, I know that he's bad, and I know that, you know, we're sinning, and I know, and I know, I know, but we read our Bible together, and he brings me closer to God, and it says that no one can declare that Jesus is Lord unless he has the Spirit of God, so therefore he's the Holy Spirit in my life, so therefore we're going to get married. You can convince yourself of whatever it is that you want. We are experts, and I want this, and I want to go this way, and that way is closer. I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to find a way, and I know just enough Bible verses to be dangerous and spiritualize it in some way, shape, or form. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. This is why one of the things <clears throat> that I have stopped doing, I don't do as much. I don't answer the questions from people I don't know about what they should do in their life. Because what I discovered is the person who's coming to me that I don't know and says, here's the situation, what do you think I should do? That nine out of 10 times, that person has gone to someone that they trusted and heard the answer that they didn't want. So then they went to somebody else. And didn't get it. And then he went to somebody else. And then he went to somebody else. And here comes lowly old Father Anthony who doesn't know his left hand from his right hand. Just showed up out of nowhere. And you convince him because he's not that smart to just agree with you. And then go around and say, Father Anthony gave me permission. So if it's wrong, it's on his head, not on mine. I don't do that stuff anymore. I don't give opinions. Someone says, I need your opinion. I don't give opinions. I know truth. And if you want truth, I tell you truth. And I teach you the principles that it says in the scripture, and that's what I teach you. And you make whatever decision you want, but you hold yourself responsible for your decision. You don't hold me responsible for it. The truth is the lying is wrong and lying is wrong. And no matter how you try to justify it, lying is wrong. The truth is that no matter how much you want God to bless that relationship, he will not bless that relationship because he is clearly against that relationship and everything you are doing is against God. God will not bless it. That's the truth. You can convince yourself of whatever it is you want. You, one time, true story, one time, someone came to me and told me that they were praying about living near to their fiance. Okay. Seems innocent enough, right? Praying, good thing. Living near, I don't even think they were engaged, but their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it was. I discovered later on that praying about living near meant his and her sinks in the bathroom. They were moving in together and asked my advice about living near each other. I don't give advice no more. <laughs> Our action item for here is we are going to listen. We are going to listen. Listen to what God is saying to us. And again, we know it through the scriptures. We know it also through godly counsel. And when I say godly counsel, I mean I go to my doctor and I ask him, my spiritual doctor, my, my spiritual, uh, my father, spiritual father. And I go to him and I ask him. And what he tells me, I do. I don't go get an opinion here and then a second opinion there. And then I go to this person's cousin over there. I go, I give myself, I, I, I speak. And I listen, and I receive guidance, <clears throat> and I obey what it tells me to do. Number three, we don't ask. Number two, we don't listen. 
And number three, mistake, is we rely, we rely on logic. Now, before we go too deep into this one, am I against logic? I am Mr. Logic. Like, I'm logic to a fault. Okay, sometimes my wife even questions whether I have emotions inside me. This is a debate we have on a regular basis. So I'm not saying it is bad to use logic, but it is bad to rely on logic. And there's a difference between the two. I absolutely, positively, you should use logic. Some of you, this is like the number one thing that we should focus on, is using more logic. Like, I am pro-logic and so is God. But he is not pro-relying on logic. And what I mean by that is this is that sometimes I think to myself, if God could come down here right now and say, God, here's a group of people who love you. Like how many people is in this room right now who love you, who want to know your will? Give us one message. Like tell us one thing about how to know your will. I think God would say this. I think he would say Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine. He would say, just trust me on this one. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Like I said, I like one plus two equals three. I like past predicts future. But God doesn't always work that way. Does that mean that God never uses logic? Is that what I'm saying? No, I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that God's will is never consistent with logic, but I'm just saying he is not bound by our logic. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Have you ever been in a situation where you thought you were right about something and you were convinced you were right and it was the logical thing to do only to later discover that you had no idea what you were doing? Back when I was in college, I used to play basketball all the time. One time I was playing ball, I think I was a junior or senior, and I turned my ankle. Came down on someone, I turned my ankle. I ain't a doctor or a medical student, but I watch plenty of NBA basketball. And I know that when Michael Jordan turned his ankle, what did he do? Play it on. Because, and I had fully convinced myself and all my idiot teammates as well, you gotta keep it loose. That's what I convinced myself, <laughs> is that if you sit, it will tighten up, you gotta keep it loose. I didn't even know what was in there, but I know I wanted it loose. So I continued to play. I played another two hours on that ankle, and I came home like a champ, okay? Just thinking that I am the greatest thing since sliced bread, I totally defeated the sprained ankle. Until the next morning, when I thought I broke my foot and I couldn't walk. And I went to the doctor. She said, what happened? Told her to sprain the ankle. She said, what'd you do after that? I said, don't worry, doc. I played on it for another couple hours. <laughs> exact words? That was the dumbest thing you could have done. <laughs> because... Apparently, you don't want it loose, okay? You want it not loose, okay? Anyway, the bottom line is, I don't want to get into the medical side of things, but she basically told me, you had a small sprain, now you have a major sprain. And because of that, I was on crutches for several weeks and things like that. My point is, in my mind, it made total sense. But just because it makes sense in my mind, there are people that we have to assume are smarter than us and we have to go by their logic because at some point in time, we reach that point. Well, what's the difference between my logic and God's logic? Is the same as between me and the doctor? Like I was the dumbest person in the world next to a doctor who, you know, I'm sure she was very smart, but I'm saying she wasn't Einstein or anything like that. But to her, I was the dumbest person in the world. How about the difference between me and God? What's that difference? 
And sometimes we'll say something and we'll say, no, God, this is logical. And God says, this is the dumbest thing in the world. We say, no, God, this makes total sense. You know what it is? It's my child. In my child's logic, eating chocolate for dinner makes sense. It actually is extremely logical. It tastes better. You want me to eat? I eat plenty of that. Logic says you want me to eat? Ch chocolate makes more sense. It is perfectly logical. But I, listen carefully to this one, I as a father, in my child's eyes, that is logic. I as a father, a big person, am not bound by that person's logic. Their logic, I cannot deny. That's how it makes sense in their eyes. I as a big person am not bound by their logical constraints. I am above their logic, so there'll be many times where I will make decisions about what time to go to sleep, <clears throat> about what to eat for dinner, about many things in the house that should be done, and it will be different than their logical constraints, but that doesn't mean it's against logic. It means that it's above logic. Once upon a time, Jesus and his disciples were hanging out on a mountain. And roughly 20,000 people showed up and followed them. 5,000 men plus women and children. Roughly 20,000 people. And Jesus said a very logical idea. Let's make lunch. You and 20,000 of your closest friends, I got a great idea. Let's feed them. Let's make sandwiches for them. And we're in the middle of nowhere, and we have no money, and we don't even have, like, it's, it's all men, Middle Eastern men, like not even one lady who knows what she's doing. Tw 12 Middle Eastern men responsible for feeding 20,000 people. This is not logical. Jesus said, no, this is actually perfectly logical. All I need is five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish. See, in God's logic, feeding 20,000 with five loaves and two fish is illogical or is above logic. <clears throat> Bible says in Luke 18, 27, it's perfectly logical to feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish because the things which are impossible with men, those things, they're possible with God. But just because you can't see how five and two make 20,000 doesn't mean it's against logic. It just means that it's above it. What's our action item here for not relying too much on our logic? And I'm taking this one to heart myself is trust. Trust. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Maybe we've heard that verse one too many times to understand what it means. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and you will show that you are trusting when you are not leaning on your own understanding. Meaning there's two walls in life. Here's a wall of God and here's a wall of my logic. And the way I will say, okay, I trust you, God. This is what many of us do. I trust you, God, very, very much. Very, very much, God. I trust you, God, very, very, very much. You want to trust God, you get away from your logic, and you lean on this wall. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and trust that he shall direct your paths. Truth. Truth. You were better at this before. You were. I know you were. Because what I discovered about the spiritual life, the beginning of the spiritual life, it is very easy to trust God. But I think you'll agree with me. The more we gain experience, the more we think we know what we're doing, the harder this verse becomes. 
The more that, hey, you know what? I've, done th- I've been there, done that, seen this before, the more difficult it is. So maybe some of us need to go back a little bit in our spiritual lives and go back to trusting like a child. I'm always reminded of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was someone who, sovereign will of God, moral will of God, personal will of God. Joseph always abided by the moral will of God. And Joseph, like no one, abided by God's principles like the way Joseph did. He was a man of upstanding character and integrity. Sovereign will of God. God wanted to use Joseph, and he told him from a very young age, I'm going to use you in a great way to do great things in this world. And Joseph ended up saving the half of the world from dying from a famine. Okay, God, you have a plan for me in my life to be a very influential person in the world, to one day be in Egypt, which is the strongest country at the time, and to be like the second man in control of Egypt. What's the path to get there? What's your will to get there? Probably I'll be a valedictorian in my high school class. Probably I'll marry like a very rich girl, like a very influential girl. Probably like, um, you know, I'll make it big in business. You know, probably like I'll invent you know, like a fire or, you know, the cure for something or other, a cure for leprosy. Like probably that's how God will give me that platform to be able to affect the whole wide world. Okay, I got a slightly different approach, Joseph. Here's a more logical approach. You're gonna get thrown into a well and be left for dead. You're gonna go into Egypt, as you said, like in a limousine, sort of, as a slave. Okay, so it's kind of like a limousine and it will be a limousine but you will be the one who's like pushing the limousine, not really the one sitting inside the limousine. <laughs> and then I'll put you in Egypt and you will be in the palace. But you're, probably, you're gonna be in the dungeon of the palace for quite some time. How's that sound, Joseph? <clears throat> is that against logic or is that above logic? Sometimes God closes 10 doors open the perfect one doesn't he like sometimes god takes you left to get you right sometimes god says you know what okay let, let me make this practical okay let me make this practical god you know i want to get married god you know i want to get married and i found this boy and he's not the best boy but you know i want to get married that's the desire of my heart you want to get married i'm gonna tell you what you do. i'm gonna get you married as soon as possible and that relationship but I want to go towards marriage. I'm going to get you towards marriage. How? Run away from marriage. Sometimes, another example. God, I'm struggling financially, and, you know, I heard a message about, like, giving and tithing, and I don't do any of that stuff. I don't help anyone except myself. But, God, if you gave me more, then I would give more. We've all said that before, right? God, if you gave me more, then I would give more. So, logic, if you want me to give, then you will give me more. God says, I do want you to give more. That's a great idea. You know what I'm going to do? As soon as you pray that, God, I want to give more, you know what you're going to do? You're going to lose your job. As soon as you lose your job, then not just you lose your job. Just so you lose your job will make it easy. You're going to lose your job, and then something's going to happen to your car. You're going to need to pay $2,000 to fix that car. And God's going to say, give. And you say, nope, that's not logical. Logic is, you fix the car, you get me the job, I'm not even asking about the promotion anymore. I feel like I was asking too much there. That's what started this whole mess. And then I will give. That's logic. But you know what's above logic? Above logic is that 90% of your money is actually greater than 100% of your money. That's logic. God's logic. It's above our logic. I don't get how that works. But 90% of my money 
is actually greater than 100% of my money. And that's tried and tested and proven. I don't understand. But I also didn't understand how the mud did the eyes. I don't understand how Joseph went from a well to the palace. I don't understand how a virgin has a baby. So when you explain all those other things, then I, I, I'll agree with you. <clears throat> God is not bound by our logic. Three action items. We don't ask, we will ask. We hear what we want to hear, we will listen to what he's saying, not what we want to hear. And we rely on logic. We will trust. Because the most important thing, and again, next week I'm going to get into some of the specifics, but like I feel like what I'm doing today is we, got, we narrowed down the ballpark. God's will is this big thing. We narrowed down the field, and then we started to prep the soil. Next week, we'll start planting some seeds in there. And the most important thing, like if I could leave you, I tell this to people everywhere, if I could leave you one thing, discover the will of God. It's not a formula. It's not a gimmick. Will of God is to seek it sincerely. Like the number one thing, leave with this one thing. Like ask and you shall receive. I, 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 I brought that verse on your handout, didn't I? Okay, right there. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. <clears throat> we will seek God's will sincerely. Because I promise you with all my heart as a father. You know this if you're a father or a mother. You know this. That God wants us to know his will more than we want. This is not a game of hide and seek. This is not an Indiana Jones movie. This is real life and God is desiring, like yelling, screaming, here's what I want for you. And my greatest desire is to show it to you. But I can't because you are not ready for it because you are outside the stadium. You're on the wrong end of the field. And the worst thing I can do for you is show you that personal will where you are in the other field. You are on the wrong half. You're scoring on the other guy's goal. You need to get in the right place and understand my sovereign will, abide by my moral will, and then ask Listen and trust. <clears throat> Give you another verse from Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We want quick fixes. We want, like I said, say this prayer. We want shortcuts. Solution to God's will is no shortcuts. It's pray, it's ask, it's listen, it's trust, and it's continue to do those things. Sometimes someone will tell me, you know, I, I did all those things. I, I sought God's will. I did everything you told me to do, and I didn't discover it. Okay, let me give you another example. Uh, I was driving to Florida, and you gave me advice, said, drive 95 south. I say, I did that for an hour. I didn't get to Florida. I give up. O okay, but you, you got to drive more than an hour. I drove for two hours on 95 south, just like you told me. I didn't leave 95 south. I drove for two hours. You told me that's how to get to Florida. I didn't get to Florida. What would you say to that person? Keep going, man. Keep going. I, I, it's not, it's 95 South, but keep going. You ask, you listen, you trust, and you get up the next day and you do the same thing. And this is how God's will works. That's what I'm saying is it's not a gimmick, no gimmick. This is life. I don't need God's will for tomorrow. I need God's will for the next 50 years of my life. I need God's will for, for the rest of my marriage, for the rest of the, the next 20 years. Like, uh, the rest of my life, I need God's will. I don't need it, just a, a quick fix. <clears throat> Action item for today, for this week is we're going to stop the gimmicks. We're going to do what God is challenging us to do, which is ask, listen, and trust. And you do that, you are going to say this verse at the end of this series. Not the end of the series. That's not my goal. The end of your life, you're going to say this verse. You are going to say, Hebrews eleven six 6, that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the goal, that you are going to say that. 
that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because that's his greatest will is to reveal himself to us. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you that you do have a plan for our lives. And you do have a dream for each one of us as your children. Lord, we're asking you that you would help us to take steps closer to finding it. That we're done trying to do things our own way and, and trying to figure things out on our own. We want to do things your way, Lord. We need your help. We ask that you would reveal your will to us through our, our, these coming weeks. And, and not just reveal your will, but reveal like the process and, and show us how we can get closer to it in every aspect of our lives. That you'd help us to listen to what you're saying, not just what we want to hear. And most of all, that you'd help us to have the childlike trust in you. That we would trust our Father. He always wants what's best for us. He always knows what's best for us. And he desires nothing more than to proclaim that and give that to us, his children. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Here says we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Just a reminder that anyone's here for the membership group information session, we're going to get started just in that room right across that hallway in a few minutes. Hope to see you all there.